Our text this morning comes from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 15. And we're going to start in verse 1. And this is a beautiful text, especially with everything that the world is facing today, everything that our local towns, cities, counties are undergoing. And we take that down even smaller into the local families. Dear friends in Christ, one thing I want to assure you is that when God is in control of your life, when you recognize that He is entirely sovereign, there is peace in the storm. But one thing I also want to assure you is this. During this time of what we consider a global crisis, a health pandemic, we must never cease to improve our walk with Christ, to exemplify all actions as believers. And so if you will this morning, I'm going to read to you a few verses that I hope will encourage you, that will edify you, and hopefully, prayerfully, lead you to a deeper understanding and relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter 15, starting at verse 1, it reads as follows, I am the true vine, and my Father is a husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. And verse 5 reads, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Verse 6, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. These are the words of Jesus as he is addressing the apostles. But one thing I want to, to give to you is that this is a union between Christ and his church. And this parable, as we read further, is going to display the office of the Holy Ghost. But one thing I want you to understand and I want you to see is that when he says, I am the true vine and my father is a husbandman. He says here that when he is the true vine, he is the only way unto heaven. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the everlasting. He is, as it says in the book of Revelation, the Alpha and the Omega. Brothers and sisters, one thing I want to encourage you about is this. When you abide in Christ, and that means simply this, that you reside fully, that your dwelling is in Christ. Whenever you are trying to do things of your own free will, of your own volition, of your own plans, think again. Because when we do things outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ and we take matters into our own hands, what that means is this. That means that we are saying, Christ, you are not enough. 
I have to do it my way. Well, I want to assure you, brothers and sisters, dear friends in Christ, as you hear this, understand that when he died upon the cross and he said, it is finished, it is finished. The law of God being fulfilled. And when we abide in Christ, we have no cause for alarm, no cause to panic, no cause that is unjustified for us to be doing things of our own free will. Now, what does that mean? Very simply, it means this, dear friends. It means that even when people are running around hoarding toilet paper, hoarding paper towels, panic buying everything off of the shelves, that means they're scared. What are they scared of? The unknown. But let me ask you a question. The Bible says that you are a new creation in Christ and that when you believe in him, you have eternal life. As he told the thief upon the cross, one thing that he said was this, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, dear friends, if we have that promise, if we can hold fast to our faith and we have the promise of Jesus Christ that when we pass from this life unto the next, what do we have to fear? Well, one thing. He said that either he will say unto you, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter in unto thy rest, or he'll say unto you, depart from me, ye worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. Well, I have news for you. If you die without Jesus Christ today, no matter how it comes, if you die outside of Christ, you are a worker of iniquity. If you die in the fold of Christ, having accepted him as your Lord and your Savior, abiding in his truth, abiding in his promises, you can enter in into your rest. One thing that struck me was even as the world is in chaos, if you were to take just a moment and look around, the birds are still doing their thing. The animals are going on without a care. He knows them. Does he know you? You see... The birds are still flying. The bees are still buzzing. And they, they don't have the promise. We do. God breathed into man in the book of Genesis, breathed the breath of life, and he became a living soul. Now, I want to take you further into this. In verse 2, when it says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. What does that mean? Brothers and sisters, if you are not active in your walk with Christ, if you are not portraying the things of Christ by living according to his gospel, and what is the greatest commandment? To love thy God with all thy heart. But he said, there's also one like unto it. Love thy neighbor as thyself. 
in this time of panic, in this time of, uh, of despair that people have as they see their financial portfolios collapse, as they have to go and claim unemployment, or as their businesses are being closed down due to this virus, brothers and sisters, this is the time in which we must display that agape love. That agape love that is portrayed in the book of Galatians with the fruit of the Spirit. The first one there is love. Well, I have news for you. It's not a physical love. It's a love that comes from God. It's agape. It's a love that only God can give. And if you want to portray the, the love of Christ, let me show you something in the book of Galatians real quick here. As we look at the fruit of the Spirit... And one thing I want to show you is this, and it's something that most people have a tendency to overlook. In the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 22 through 25, it reads like this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Here's something I want you to understand. This fruit is singular in the Greek. It's the word karpos. But it's something that is very interesting about this is it describes a singular fruit that is ready to be plucked, ready to be consumed and put into service. And so when it says here, love, that is the word agape. It's an active tense of this word that is, is a love that comes only from God. It is selfless. And then we have something else. Joy. Joy. Brothers and sisters, it is possible in this time of turmoil, in this time of strife, in this time of uncertainty, that you can have joy. You see, that word is chara, and chara is something that has to come from the inside. It is that abiding in Christ that gives you that joy. It overflows, brothers and sisters, out of your inner being into your life. It is not happiness. It's not happiness, church. It's joy. Do you understand the difference? Joy must come from an eternal perspective. It is not based upon external forces bringing you an endorphin release. Understand, there's a difference. Joy is not based upon your circumstance. When you abide in Christ and He abides within you, you are the temple of the living God, brothers and sisters. And one thing you have to understand is that no matter what comes against you, joy can be a part of your life. And then there is peace. Oftentimes, when we have circumstances that assail us, when we have trials and troubles, we say, how can I have peace? There's so much trouble in my life, so many things going on around us. There it, is, it is possible for you to have peace. You see, peace is not the absence of strife. Peace is not the absence of struggle. Peace is not the absence of troubles and trials and turmoils. Peace means that you are set right with God. When you are set right with God, you're no longer at war with God. But then there's something else that takes place here. It's long-suffering. Long-suffering. That's patience. 
You ever hear the phrase, well, I want patience, but I sure do wish I'd hurry up and get here. I want you to understand that the true believer in Christ goes through trials and goes through troubles. Why? Because it is through these things that God seeks to be glorified. When we have trials and we have troubles, how do we react to them? My church knows I use this illustration a lot. It is found in the book of Malachi. I'm going to read it to you before we come back and touch on these uh, fruit of the Spirit and then back into Luke. But I want to read to you something in Malachi. And I hope that it gives you encouragement. The encouragement we need is always found in Scripture. In Malachi chapter 3, starting at verse 1, it reads like this, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Now that, that is Malachi chapter 3, verses 1, 2, and 3. But one thing that I want you to get from this, there are several key points here, but remember previously I just said that the believer's life is never without struggle, it is never without trial, never without strife, never without problem. Part of that is because we are at war with the world. You see, while we are here, we are to establish dominion. We are to walk with Christ. We are to be His disciples. But one thing I want to tell you. Did you notice the strong words, one Lord of hosts, but two, it says that He, referring to Christ, shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. As you hear this today, understand this point. When a refiner sits watching that precious metal, he doesn't take a large portion. He takes a small piece and he fills that cup. And generally in the times that this would be written, it'd be on a stick. It'd be a bowl, basically, on a large stick. And it would be set over a fire. Well, as a fire would get hot, it would then cause that ore, that metal, to melt. And as it does, something interesting would happen. The dross or the impurities would begin to rise to the surface of that mel 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 melted precious metals. And what's interesting is this. The fire would continue to burn. It would get hotter and hotter. And that dross, that, those impurities would begin to be burned away or they'd be scraped away. But what, me, what happens next is very interesting. Just because that dross is coming to the surface of that precious metal does not mean that it's done. 
The refiner, he sits there and he watches it. And he watches until something very interesting happens. When he sees his reflection in that metal, he knows it is time to remove it from the fire. Brothers and sisters, that's us. We are that precious metal. We are that precious ore. You see, these trials and these struggles that we go through, when we have these fears, when we have these struggles in our lives that cause us to go, oh Lord, help me. He's sitting there and he's watching. He's continuing to keep his eye upon you so that when he sees his reflection, he knows it is time to remove you from that fire. And the beautiful thing is, those imperfections have been burned away. And you've been made more like our Lord and Savior. I have another question for you. Are you willing to allow God to turn the heat up in your life so that as you follow Him, He sees His reflection more clearly? There's a promise in this section of Scripture. And this promise is vital. It's very simply this. It says in verse 3, And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And then he goes on and says, And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. And here's the important part, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Now, you see, it's not our righteousness, but it is the very righteousness that we are clothed in by Jesus Christ. One thing we have to understand is our righteousness is as but filthy rags. Everything we do of our own accord, of our own volition, pales in comparison with the righteousness of a holy God. And why is it that God would demand righteousness of His believers? For He is pure, He is righteous, He is holy, and He cannot be in an unclean camp. When the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness, he told them to remove the excrement from their camp for one reason. He walked among them. He didn't want to step in it. He didn't want to see the garbage. He did not want that filth among the believers. You see, that's our walk. When we attempt to hang on to the earthly things, hang on to that precious sin that we think we love so much, we are hindering and defiling ourselves. That robe of righteousness is so clearly seen in the book of uh, Zechariah. In the book of Zechariah, there's something really fascinating. And again, if, if you'll give me a moment to turn there, in Zechariah chapter 3, we find a very interesting account 
And this account, I hope, will display what I'm speaking about. Starting in verse 1, and it's a short chapter, it's only 10 verses. And it says, And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now pay attention to this next part here. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. Now, as you hear this, this is deliverance, brothers and sisters. This is not just something happenstance. This is deliverance, what's going to happen. You see, when we are walking of our own abilities, and we are walking outside of Christ, we are standing there with filthy garments. Let me read that again. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And hear this next part. This is important. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. Now understand this point. It is not you, it is not me, it is not your best friend, it is not your own ability to have the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God must come from God. Do you notice what it says here? It says that I will clothe thee. And then he said, and I said, let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by, and the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts. I'm going to pause right there for just a moment, because that Lord of hosts is recurrent throughout the Old Testament. And it is such a powerful title that I think we must understand what it means. It's very, very important. This means the God of armies, the one who is in charge of the very host, the very armies, the very might of heaven. Think about that statement now as I read this again. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, and here's the condition. If thou wilt walk in my ways, not your ways, not the ways of your best friend, not the ways of somebody who you think is the most moral, righteous person. It says, in my ways. Whose ways? That of God. And if you will keep my charge. In other words, you have to be a steward and obedient to what it is God has commanded you to do as a follower in Christ. Then... Then thou shalt also judge my house, and shalt also keep my courts. And I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. Now, in verse 8, he says this, Hear, O Joshua the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. Well, who is that? That is Jesus Christ. This is a messianic prophecy. If you missed this before, this is a prophecy concerning the coming of Christ. 
For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the graving thereof, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will remove, hear this, here's a promise for you. He says, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. What is iniquity, dear hearers, dear brothers and sisters, dear friends in Christ? What is iniquity? Iniquity is sin. Sin, amartia, is defined as missing the mark. The Bible tells us in the epistle of 1 John that if we walk in the darkness, we have no fellowship with him who is in the light. Now, he says this, In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall ye carry every man his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree. Did you catch that word, the vine? Let's go back to Luke chapter 15. He says in verse 2, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. You see that word purge? That's to prune, that's to cut away, that's to remove the dead parts. That takes you all the way back to Malachi, doesn't it? That dross that we're talking about. You see, as a believer, we are to be walking and bearing the fruit. We are to be living in accordance to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now here's the promise in verse 3. He says this, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. You see, brothers and sisters, if we abide in Christ, if we follow the word, if we saturate our lives with the word of God, if we spend time in something that is so neglected today, that of prayer, if we spend time communing with the Father, we have the promise in Jesus Christ that we are going to be washed clean by his word. Because he says here, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. In verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. Did you catch that? If we abide in Christ, if we do as he commands, if we do as he bids, we have blessing. But if we try and take things according to our own will, according to our own ability, according to our own desires, we're stepping outside of that covenant. When we step outside of that covenant, we start to wither. Now in the Song of Solomon, or as some Bibles will label it, the Song of Songs, there's a very powerful thing that is told there. He says, catch for me the little foxes. Well, what does that mean? Well, it has to do with vineyards. Because those little foxes are like sin. Those little sins. You see, when they would have the, this time, when they'd be planting vineyards, oftentimes you had enemies, you had competitors, who would often be malicious in the things that they did. And when the... Grape vineyards would be laying dormant, and they would start to have the new growth. They're not bearing fruit yet. People would take and they would let loose these little tiny foxes into the vineyards. And what they would do is they would start to go and nibble, and they would chew 
on the vines, the soft, fresh vines, because they were sweet, they had moisture, they were tempting. That's very much like little sins. When we allow things to creep into our lives, what takes place is this. We don't recognize that those little foxes are running loose in our vineyards. They'd do something else that would also be even more catastrophic. We'll get to that in a moment. But what would take place when they allow these little foxes to come in and start chewing on the vines and on the roots? It wouldn't be noticed until, until that vineyard started to bear fruit. And they'd find all these dead spots because they had been cut off from the root. They had been cut off. They were now dead branches, separated from the life-giving source. You see, when we have sin creeping into our lives, and we allow it to go unnoticed because we like it, because we're enticed by it, because, oh, we think it's not going to hurt anybody else, it's hurting your walk. It's hurting your ability to bear fruit. It's hurting your ability to be an effective, effectual witness for Jesus Christ. The other thing that they would do with these foxes is this. They would oftentimes tie branches to the tail of the fox. And if you think that's cruel, they would then take and light these dry branches on fire and they would set the fox loose in the vineyards and it would torch them oftentimes destroying everything but the root. And it would take years and years and years, if ever, for it to come back. Church, that is why it is so important that when he says, Abide in me and I am you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. And verse 5 reads like this, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Now, that may sound challenging. You may be saying right now, well, I don't know what to do. Well, turn off the television. Open your Bible. Many of you haven't opened it for years, months, days, weeks. And start to read. And you say, well, I, what if I don't understand it? That's okay. And James said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, there's something else that I must tell you that you must do. You must repent. You must turn away from the sin that you so willingly indulge in. You must turn away, repent, acknowledge before God that you are a sinner that you are in need of His redemption, that you are in need of His salvation and His grace. 1 John 1.9 is a very common verse. 
says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Dear hearer, those of you listening today, now is the time that we as believers must turn to Christ, must be that living, breathing example for a world that is scared, for a world that is panicked, for a world that is desperate for an answer. We have the answer. That answer is also the great physician. And we're told that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then will I hear from my holy heaven and I will heal their land. I encourage you this day to consider the words that I'm telling you. For they are true. They are accurate. They come from the word of God. There is nothing that you can do that has life outside of Jesus Christ. One last thing, and I will close with this. Back to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Do you notice how some of these are internal? The love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Now we have gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And it says, against such there is no law. That love, that joy, and that peace, those are all internal. That you may have the external displayed in the patience. You ever been around somebody who has a lot of patience? You ever been around somebody who's had a lot of trials? They're often very gentle when they know Christ. Goodness and faith. These things are displayed in our walk with Jesus Christ. This meekness, never misinterpret meekness. Meekness is very important for the believer. It's not to be mistaken for weakness, for it is simply power under control with humility. All these things, all of these things, are attributes that the believer, the disciple of Christ, those who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb must display. Now, I thank you for listening. And I ask that if you're looking for a church, that you'd come visit us at Christ Covenant Church. We're located at 1320 West Nolana Avenue in McAllen, Texas. I thank you. May God bless you.